The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Yeah, you are very welcome along. Um, it's still one all in St. Mary's. Uh, so Liverpool fans, anxious enough, hour or so uh, gone, and an anxious half an hour left. Liverpool desperately need to win uh, at St. Mary's, obviously, to maintain their title credentials. Minamino with the goal. Um, I'm just looking. Jordan Henderson came on at half time for Gomez. It's kind of a bit of a second string uh, Liverpool team but uh, Southampton despite having seemingly gone on holidays a couple of uh, months ago um, holding on at one all at the minute and um, frustrating Liverpool and possibly frustrating uh, the rest of us who want obviously a grandstand finish to the season Um, what is going on Graham Hunter Johnny you've rubbed all the words you've said exactly it Southampton uh, led uh, out, out by uh, a recent guest on the big interview, Oriol Romeo, went down to Winchester to meet him and to talk to him. Extremely bright and articulate football man and somebody who I, I haven't looked at the game, I've been working. I hope he's organising Samantha's midfield. And if they're hanging tight, why wouldn't they? Um, I spent some time at the AXA training ground with Liverpool last week. And while there were no real complaints talking to them and because we were watching our two we had Jurgen Klopp and Andy Robertson moving between interview positions and whatever and just talking to them in between you can truly tell um, that that they are at the far outside of their ability just to manage all this um, physical mental stress uh, the competitive energy that they've been burning since that big get together they had in late November saying are we going for everything Are are we genuinely going all in or not the message was we are. Then they did, and and they've given all of us this brilliant end to the season um, in terms of the drama of the FA Cup. And you know we'll talk about Paris. Paris is still to come, and and can they keep it alive until the weekend? Um, you'd bet that with I don't know how long to go, Johnny. Twenty minutes is it? Yeah, a good half an hour. Yeah, half an hour. You, you'd bet that they probably will. Um. As alluded to there, you li- you live a great life, and I just see on your Twitter feed here you have a big interview with John Dal Thomason. That's bringing me back. No, well, it, w- it would do, I suppose. That that indicates that you're neither a Malmo fan nor a Rangers fan. In that his coaching exploits um, took them past Rangers and into the Champions League, where they found it hugely difficult to adapt at first, and um, I suppose particularly against Chelsea. It, um, there's a slight poison chalice. The first three results, they get pumped. The second three results, they get two narrow defeats and a draw. Um, and he proved to be, he he brought Malmo to the title in Sweden, which may not be hold the, hold the front page news for off the ball uh, listeners, mm. but they've, they've been a long dearth of trophies. And and he, he noised up Rangers by talking about their debt in, in the build up to the crucial second leg of their um, qualification decider when despite going out to 10 men, they won. And went through, and I asked John Thompson about like the how does he evaluate the slightly bittersweet feeling of having got all that money for the club. He, he chose to leave Marmo two titles in a row, with the second one one on the last day. Um, but at that stage, when I interviewed him, I said Rangers are still tilting for the final. They're in the final. They're in the final tomorrow. And I said, listen, it doesn't you know winning 
a match like that, gaining more reputation, people admiring you play because the way in which Malmo played with 10 men, you would never have known, you know, and that's repeated training, that's tactical intelligence, that's spirit mentality of his team, you know, to, to go through, but to have a really brutally difficult group. And then, I mean, because I think it was Chelsea Juventus and maybe Zenit, um, at least it certainly was Chelsea Zenit, and then to be out and for Rangers to go on for the final, it's this old story about glory or money. But John Del Thomas had proved to be uh, um, a Johnny, a terrifically, um, he's, he's humorous, mm. he's extremely articulate and bright, um, he's extremely ambitious. He's chosen not to answer the call, which he's had since he left Malmo. I think he's had two or three uh, big offers. I think he knows where he's going in the summer, I think. And he's chosen to wait, not take a team mid-season. He, he wants to understand, you know, the funding he'll be given for his squad, what type of project, what type of football is demanded. And, of course, he's the last man to score a winning goal for a Dutch team in a European competition, which was 20 years ago, when in a beautiful 3-2 win at Decaut, their own ground, Feyenoord beat uh, Borussia Dortmund. He scored the winner in his last game. That's showmanship, right? Mm. And, of course, just to be poetic to make it um, square up. Um, his beloved Feyenoord are, are, are back in a final and they're going to play against Roma. Uh, you know, um, it's Jose Mourinho. So I, I think a lot of people might be rooting for Feyenoord there in the conference. It's kind of cool. Like you see coaches who, uh, you know, they, they accept the next job. They, they can't. They're too restless to be out of it long. But if yeah. you play hard to get in life, sometimes it makes you even, uh, you know, all the more alluring, I guess. I've, I've talked to a lot of coaches on La Liga television who, who are pawing the ground exactly like you described, and they know uh, Gus, Gus Poyet would be one. And would, like, Gus and I, are, are, I would say, we're good friends. We talk a lot about a lot of different things, whether he's in work, whether he's not. We share ideas about life, about football. Um, Chappy Ferrer would be another one. Until recently, Aitor Karanka was, was one. And the common theme is that as the years go by, even if you've done pretty well, like uh, Gus did, um, the impatience about a new generation coming through, getting their badges, maybe seeing a little bit more, seeming a little bit more shiny and fancy, and and then the queue getting longer means that they do exactly like you said. They 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 jump into jobs where maybe part of their brain is saying to them, "This, this is a club where there's often sackings. This is a club which doesn't actually know." the criteria for success and therefore am I on a hamster wheel they, they don't stop and ask themselves that they go I can do this which all sportsmen and women I think have as a, as a central core in in their performing careers and their playing careers you have to believe day in day out um, long haul championships or, or big tournaments I can do this and that I can do this mentality often takes them into a decision like you described where they're like, their brain is screaming to them no, but the impatience and I'll show everybody, I won't be the one that falls over, consumes them. And and often that then builds you a CV where you're like, oh, look, you were here six months, you were there 16 months, you're not a stare. And then the doors, you know, swing even further closed. It's it's a risky, precarious business that they go through for their, for their six million a year. <laughs> 
I think I think you've kind of uh, summed it up there. Just uh, it's a good time to come on to your article uh, on ESPN. They're firing the firing the coach work for Barcelona, but not every Liga club got it right. And then you mention all these coaches who were effectively sacked by someone or other. And um, Ancelotti's quote is, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's something to the effect that we're managers. Um, we just expect to get sacked. It is what it is. No, but the, but Johnny, the best part of his quote is it's, he literally says. I was sacked everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere, Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, listen, and, and the names on that list also included um, people like Marcelino, um, I guess Pellegrini, sat by West Ham, sat by Real Madrid, um, not renewed by Manchester City, uh, Unai Emery, sat by Spartak Moscow, sat by, sat by Arsenal. And everyone on that list that, you, that you're talking about had won a minimum of a couple of trophies, some of them several trophies uh, and Carlo Ancelotti was you know was sat by Juventus was sat by Parma was sat by Chelsea and it is part of their life and I wanted to end that way just to to, to not be focusing on the, on the on the poor guys who get treated like dirt by idiot clubs which were also a part of the article such as Alaves and Levante who've gone down and I know that's not a showstopper for you now, so I won't go into detail about their season. But I do say in the article, and I mean that the way that they behaved about their coaches, Alavis, for example, were 11th in 2019. They sacked Abelardo for saying, well, I want a new contract. They kicked him out after taking him to 11th. They've had seven coaches in the next 33 months, which was only really dwarfed by, I mentioned the Jesus Hill era at Aleti, where I think on average, they had a new coach every four months, for just under a decade. A new coach every four months for just under a decade. It's it's simple lunacy. And therefore, I, I wanted to point out a couple of the clubs in La Liga who, who I said had the equivalent, you know, intelligence of tying your shoelaces together, putting a blindfold on and then trying to run and not fall flat on your face. <laughs> idiot management. Utterly idiot management, yeah, John. It's full of some good uh, analogies, right? Joel Matip um, has put Liverpool 2-1 up. So they have 20 minutes left to hold on. Um at St Mary's I've actually I've, I've said this before right so in an ideal world you appoint a coach you have him under contract it's too expensive for you to get get him out of his contract so you make the right decision and if you appointed the coach and you sacked him you got it wrong not him you got it wrong because you brought him in and you went through your due diligence you brought him onto the club and football is run by people who just think it's like a I don't know if they're like the fans give start shouting a bit and they're like we can bring in somebody doesn't really matter we lose a lot of money paying them off bring in somebody else and it'll miraculously change things when inevitably that is, is invariably not it can be the case but generally statistically it doesn't make any difference well our industry is not the central one to blame but for example how many in our industry um, do you hear saying either on radio or television or in print um, they need to spend big money or they break, need to bring in new faces. I mean, I don't know if we're past the watershed, but bullshit. Mm. That's that's a we rubbish way to speak. It's a rubbish way to speak. Um, I won't do it again, Tony. Um, it's <laughs> and it's 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 also the way, unfortunately, that some people who run clubs believe things should go. Um, there's an agent whose player I want influence me about this manager, so I'm going to have to say yes. Or um, there's a guy I've heard over when I watched him in that other club. He, he performed a miracle rescue. And no thinking about whether the players I've got right now fit that coach's style. None, none, no joined up thinking whatsoever. And then they wonder why they're in trouble in eight weeks again when the new guy has come in. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the case across Europe that every club is like that because you see exceptional um, 
clubs where from top to bottom, whether it's the board or it's a chairman or it's an owner, through a layer of thinking, whether it's a technical secretary or director of football, there's an ethos. There are clear ideas. They plan ahead, both in terms of where to deadhead the squad to pair, how to sign, who to promote from the academy and which coach will fit with that. And if you've got that thinking right, it doesn't mean that you're fireproof. It doesn't mean it's an absolute guarantee. What it does fireproof you against is attacks of utter inane stupidity where on a knee jerk you do something which is wrong that makes the situation worse and you just go on a point like you say you know dip your hand in the hat say that guy's been around a long time let's get him in and it it makes me despair because although we're all trained now in journalism i think to talk about the money it costs to pay them off and the money they might lose if they go down or the money might the truth is they're they're playing for glory they're playing for trophies they're playing for the local community even even a club like levante which splits valencia in half you know you're 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 taking work away from people because they'll be you know the people made unemployed if they go down but you're also talking about the fan base who, who, whose daily lives and dreams and aspirations. I'm talking, you know, from you know, from the heart here. I'm an idiot. I live vicariously through how Aberdeen are doing. You know, I feel better or worse in my soul based upon how eleven guys in red shirts who are mercenaries and got it done to United if they're asked to are performing. And all over the world, you have to admit, whatever follow, whether you follow GA, whether you follow rugby, whether you darts or football, you feel the same. You want to link to somebody. You want to believe that they're your type of guy, that they're your type of sports person. And then ultimately, if you're, you know, if the club is managed by idiots, the the the, the detritus is always left on. It's the manager's fault when often it's the people around the top of the club who don't look at themselves, don't self-analyze and say, where did I go wrong? It's, it's the manager's fault, Johnny. But of course, like you said, it's not. The the, the, the the manager himself um, or herself, like, what is it about the madness of wanting to be in this position? And even, I don't know, you, you, I, I often kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm always in a rush out of a football ground. I want to get home and I see the team bus boarding and they're maybe boarding a bus for the next four hours. The next uh, training day, they're going to do the exact same thing they did. They'll do their, you know, their warm up, blah blah blah. They prepare for the next game over and over again, knowing that the probability is they'll end up getting sacked. It's absolute madness, particularly at like say League of Ireland level, where you're not even remunerated that much, but they want to do it. And the, the way that, that over the last thirty years of talking to people that you've described, I understand it is that there are several strata. Um, some are simply addicted to the sport. And when you can't play it anymore, to stay in the sport, one way that you believe you can have control of your destiny is, is by being in charge. And I think in every sport, and I know you and I are not just talking about soccer now, there are managers where you can play God, and there are coaches where it's like a teacher with you know boots on. And both of those elements in life outside sport are very addictive. It, it, they both um, appeal to the human nature. You would admit that... You know, if, if you wanted to be in charge of, of your department and rather than on air, the idea about maximizing the potential from your colleagues and coming up with new ideas about features to be to be played at nine o'clock to get, you know, some idiot Scotsman off the air at nine instead because we've got a great new... You know, that's these are pleasing if you invent um, structures and, and, and they pay off. That's the same in, in sport. It's exactly the same in sport. And there are some who are like, well, this is brilliant. If I can edge my way into anywhere near the top of the game and I'm sacked four times, those sackings alone will probably bring me eight or nine million mm. minimum. You know, we all know that 
David Moyes was paid six million sterling because he was dismissed from Manchester United. So there, there, and you know, if you happen to be as 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 able as talented as successful as Cholo Simeone, then you end up becoming the best paid soccer coach in the world at 22, 23 million a year. So there are all kinds of attractions that maybe balance slightly against like you've mentioned the unrelenting slog the fact that you're let down by people there's a brilliant i interviewed um Tineda manua recently and his, his book is out and there's an there's an extraordinary um passage where he talks about being at qpr with ian holloway in charge and ian holloway has decided that what he'd like to do is play 442 um without the ball but 352 with the ball so he describes this and puts it up and he looks at the players and there's nothing but blank faces. So he goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll draw the 352 on a page and I'll draw the 442 on a page with all of the names in it, hold it up. And and Nedimunilis says um, that the players were like, well, what is this, boss? Is this first half, second half? Is well, But no, there's no changes in it. No, it's two, different, it's two different formations depending on whether we've got the ball or not. And I want, you know, when we're playing 4-3-3, it's another formation. I want the wingers wide. I want three players up front all the time. Not two, not four, three. And I want the wingers wide and the centre forward pinning down the two centre halves so the midfielders can rush in. And he said that he went back in, in training videos for weeks showing them that um, in no instance had any of them complied with his idea that there should always be three, not two, not four. And Nedimanua's book talks about a squad of players decent-hearted, individually talented, some of them, and, and they didn't have a clue what Ian Holloway was trying to teach them to do. And he said it's like Holloway's words to them was like, this is like being a millionaire, having a swimming pool built, filling up with water, going to bed, and every night, you know, you go to bed and the, the pool's beautiful, you wake up the next morning, it's empty. Again and again and again and again, repeat. So I think he backs Johnny. I think Ian Holloway, if you had him on, would back your idea that it can look like a mugs game to be a coach or a manager. Um, and let's let's talk a bit of Ancelotti then. Um, obviously, I think we all want to look as cool uh, in our early sixties as he does. And he's just—I don't know—he's evolving. He seems to maybe they've ridden their luck a bit this year. It's far from a vintage Real team. What is so amazing about this guy that uh, you quote in your ESPN article, as you said, "I was sacked everywhere. We just have to understand that's part of our job." Yet he's still doing it. Look, he showed from the instant um, that Saki said to him, you're too old to be playing, give it up. You know, he did. He, he just like Capello, Fabio Capello said that to his own son, you're not good enough, give up. Saki said to him, you know, I, I think it's 30, 31. Um, you, you, you're too slow. Injuries have ruined you. Give up. Stop playing. Come and be my assistant in, in World Cup 94 with the Atsuri, which And they went to the final together as coach and assistant coach. From the instant he made the t- transition from, you know, that clever organising midfielder he was at Roma and AC Milan, it was patently clear that things he did well on the pitch, he could transfer to the coaching ground. That's the basic premise. Not all footballers can do that. Xavi's a clear example right now. He, he can do it. There are many examples now in the modern day of, of exceptional coaches who never played high-level football. Mm. There are many examples of of exceptional footballers who literally know how to do it, but can't teach it, can't explain it, and lose patience. Ancelotti has got um, an extremely good football brain. There's no doubt about that. He's a good judge of horse flesh, but his 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 player whispering skills and his ability to manage upwards 
those are the two things that complete the hat trick. Given that he's got a clear, higher level understanding of football, the things that complete his hat trick is managing upwards. And if you're managing upwards, he didn't have to do it at Parma, for example. And he had to do it less at Juventus. But at AC Milan, he was managing upwards when Berlusconi was coming to him and saying, but I want you to play 4-4-2 a day. I want him to play. I want Inzaghi must always play all this. And Ancelotti managed that upwards. And that, if you learn that skill, then even Florentino Perez is going to be an absolute scoosh. Robin Abramovich is going to be an absolute scoosh. And in the interview, it's funny you mentioned with Dundal Thomason, who played for Ancelotti and went to two European Cup finals, two Champions League finals under Ancelotti for the Rossoneri. He was really clear about something that's in evidence here um, in Spain, that Ancelotti's ability to take people aside and say, I want this from you, or I believe you've got this in you, or here's how you're going to teach that kid. He is somebody who has a brilliant, and I mean literally brilliant effect on great players who might be in another club a little bit bored, a little bit egotistical, um, thinking that 85% will do. There's a there's a long tradition of Ancelotti being able to take a, the a vast list of superstar players and make them punch at least their weight and often above. And that is that's an invaluable um, quality, and, it, and it, it partly explains why he's the only man ever to to coach a team to winning the title in each of Europe's top five leagues. Uh, we're going to go to the ads. We'll be back with uh, Graham very shortly. Um, but Sheffield United have massively turned it around um, at City Ground. It's two one now, uh, so that makes three all on aggregate. And it's also two one. Um, so it's, it's Nottingham first one, Sheffield United two, um, three all on aggregate in the Championship playoff. Um, Southampton won Liverpool two about eight minutes ago. There after break, we'll talk Diego Simeone uh, with uh, the man himself. Of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fellow in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool fan can say. <laughs> That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Yeah, you're welcome back. That reminds me of when I was a kid, you'd be at the disco Friday night and uh, someone would say, will you shift my friend? And then the next day, my father would say, come on, we're going to Glen Maddy, we're shifting cattle. And uh, yeah, I knew what he meant. Um, what I did say before the break, we'll talk. Um, Johnny, Johnny, there's no statute of limitations on those admissions. You know that. If the guards are listening, yeah. Um, if, if you're from the west of Ireland, I think you can, like, so shifting cattle for us was literally walking them, a drive, as it would be known. You'd, you'd walk them about you could, five, five to eight miles, Graham, even through a town with crossroads, and you'd be hoping that they wouldn't go into That's the lovely. tantric. Yeah. That's almost tantric. It sounds like something from the 19th century, but we're talking about like the mid-90s here. And um, yeah, I was shifting cattle, probably more than I was shifting women at the time. Anyway, when I said before the break, um, after the break, we'll talk about Diego Simeone with the man himself. I, of course, didn't actually mean Diego Simeone. The man himself is obviously Graham Hunter. Graham, I think you know what I was talking about, because you did talk uh, about Diego Simeone in an interesting piece recently in which you said... Um, he's widely reported to earn more than 20 million a season this has been a pallid dispiriting disorganised confusing and embarrassing title defence um, that's some strong words there on Diego listen I think I think they're right and if you had them on the other line I, I'd repeat them I wouldn't have asked you to, to read them out Johnny I would have read mm. them out um, what would I he say that, to you um, it's funny he, he's because he was such a, a street fighting, brutally competitive footballer. 
and because you know he's he's got sort of three days of the condor arms as he's, as he's flapping at a metropolitano and in, in the old days in the caldron at, at the crowd to to be more and he and he, he ran out to have a swipe at somebody didn't he in in lisbon when they lost the, the champions league final to real madrid so he's not like literally zen pacific but <laughs> He's a much calmer, much more intelligent man, and he'd take those those adjectives, I think, on his chin because they weren't sensational; they were accurate. And I think that if you look at the lack of quality of play, um, in no instance during the now whatever ten and a half years that he's been in charge at Letty have they conceded so many goals. Um, there's been just an absolute bulge of chances shipped and goals shipped. It's been very rare. In fact, I'd say it's unique again in his ten and a half years reign. It's not unique, and I say in that same article, it's not. It's, it's not in his contract that because he's been so successful, he's now Atleti's most successful coach ever. That he's, he's got to guaranteed win a trophy every season. That's not true. That's wrong. But I think that when you you defend a title um, at a time when everybody bar Real Madrid is in a state of flux, which they are. And even Real Madrid had moments when they looked vulnerable. And I think that's that's indubitable if, if you think about them losing Espanyol, losing Etafi, losing 4-0 home to Barcelona, the way in which they ship chances against Paris Saint-Germain and, and Chelsea. And Atleti couldn't, couldn't sniff their heels. Never mind, even you know, go shoulder to shoulder with them for the title charge. Atleti have been changing formation three or four times within a game. There's no sense, whatever, that he knows his best eleven, and there is a sense um, whereby I, I do a lot of commentary on La Liga television. When we're translating the interviews of key players at the end, there's a regular flow of the biggest players: Jimenez, Oblak, Suarez, Savic, going like. We know, we all know that this isn't really us. We all know this doesn't represent our training ground work. And yet here we are again. It takes us being 2-0 down or 10 men or in the last minute before we react. And there's a really key um, interview with a countryman of yours, Dermot Corrigan Athletic, where it's a sponsored event. So, you know, it's good access that, that you know, Dermot deserved to get. And... Um, Jao Felix was the was the guest, and Jao Felix is, is has transformed into, if not quite their most important player, then certainly their best footballer. And he said, "I know what the problem is," and he was he was referring to the fact that Luis Suarez no longer has the athletic pace to play in an ebb and flow game or even in a counter attack game. And if, if Atleti are dominating and high up the pitch during a match and really pressing the opponent, Luis Suarez is still a deadly finisher. And he's finished equal top scorer with Correa after a, a, a leading season last season when he was exceptional and like got 20 plus overall in all comps. And John Felix was immediately dropped by Diego Simeone for saying this, this, this truth that shouldn't speak its name and then reinstated a game and a half later and led them on an eight or nine game winning run. It was only when he injured, got injured that their participation in the Champions League next season came under threat. They might not finish top four. You know, they have but last gasp stuff. And it's been a season where if you look at the standards, when things are wrong and an established coach can't solve them, particularly when the squad is as full and as gifted as Atleti's, 
then he's doing something wrong, Johnny. And that doesn't invalidate any of the previous 10 and a half years. And it doesn't make him not an outstanding man manager. But they have a problem. And it's a problem which has been really quite embarrassing this season. Just before we finish up, um, Liverpool are still 2-1 up, so they're hanging on in there to bring us to the last day. Um, obviously, the, the Klopp news of late, great news for Liverpool. Um, Graham, I don't know. Like, it, It's amazing how they've been able to last this long. Gr- granted, they're unlikely to win. They might end up with two or three titles a season, whatever it is. I, I cannot get over how the energy that they've had and they've carried it all the way to the end don't really seem to be run the ground at this stage either. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think that, um, although I, I admit it, I didn't watch the, the Spurs game, if you looked at it, there have been moments when they are, uh, they're reaching for solutions whereby it's not, they're no longer pulverizing teams. They can do. Um, I think, again, if you look at the three goals conceded against Benfica at home as well, there have been little clues whereby there are days when Liverpool are themselves and are outstandingly intense. They're a devastating counter-attack team. They're really, really intelligent. Their wing play from fullbacks principally is is elite anywhere in the world. And they're peppered with extremely good individual footballers and they're well coached. And if you put all that package together, it's little wonder that they're at least competitive. But the thing that I like best is is the sense of character. There's a it's mm. really rare and it applies to Atleti. When Atleti won the title in 2014, there was a sense that everybody from groundsmen through physio, through the people that sold the tickets, to the fans, to the media that support them, to the players and the coach, everybody was on the same page. Total harmony, total unison. And right now, Liverpool have been able to, to, to think and, and breathe and sleep like that for four years minimum. And they're still like that. And I think that's what has elevated them as they, as they are patently feeling the impact of a season that's already won them two trophies and, and given you know the, the remaining minutes at, at St Mary's might leave them with a chance of winning three or four um, by the end of tonight and I genuinely think that you know while we often like to talk about tactics we talk about maybe a star player that carries a team if you I'm privileged to have gone and met several of them and talked to several of them the drive that absolutely phenomenal drive that is echoed across the squad and Andy Robertson at Villarreal after Villarreal after the second leg said look at the winger that's come in uh, look at um, uh, Diaz that's come in and he's fitted instantly after half a season and into a different level of football different level of test and intensity he's, he's got you know, he's not got fluent English. Okay, it's a multinational squad, but he hits the ground running. He, he's been devastating since he arrived. He's not the only signing that's done that. But nonetheless, if you look at that, for a new boy to come in that squad, says a lot about their recruitment, says a lot about his character, but it says an awful lot about the, the, the group he's joining, the people he's joining who are like, we'll show you the ropes quickly. You're part of the family. It's it's a it's an Oliver moment with um, Oliver Twist and Bloomin' the Artful Dodger dancing through the streets of London. Consider yourself one of the family, and and that's what it feels like at Liverpool. And in a sport, that sensation when you can get it, it's so elusive. When you can get it. I think it's three quarters of the way to winning things. Yeah, I, I wish I could keep you for the Vardy uh, Rooney um, spats or whatever it is, but I, I want to get you finally just last quote on this. I thought it was a lovely thing. No, um, no, I didn't do any of that. None of my Instagram posts. 
I've been quoted. None of it. None of it. No, this is uh, sorry. No, this is James Miller. Uh, you never know when it's going to be your last. You go into the restroom after the game, and all the lads are straight in their phones and saying, "You've won the FA Cup. Get off your phone." Uh, I just love that. Sensational, yeah. Every everywhere you go right now, clubs are petrified of the way that um, social media and and whatever device you're using divides a group and makes each of them into their own little egotistical bubble. Mm. But the great teams still avoid that because the, the great groups in all sports, not just soccer, they're driven by victory. They're driven by winning. They do all the other fripperies. And the generation of footballers I've seen come through over the last two generations have, have learned to cope and do both. Most of them, Tony Cruz, the most, um, the guy who turned his nose up at social media, I suddenly got a podcast with his brother, Luka Modric doesn't like interviews, but he'll do them when he has to. But yet, guys like that, and I only pick them. And, and you know, Millie's a guy who, 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 for many years, only spoke to his children in Spanish, his little kids in Spanish, so they would learn to speak Spanish and still doesn't drink alcohol. The, the, the winners, the leaders, the, the guys with lean minds can cope with the little bits of the mad outside world that they want to let in or that they're obliged to let in, but still retain that complete, steely, dangerous. I want this trophy, and I'm and I'm going to work for this this hour, next hour, tomorrow, next week, next month. It's not like I'll turn up in the big games. That's not who you and I are talking about. It's turning up every single day. That's part of the joy of our job to meet people like that, men or women who are driven every day. Thanks a million for your time, Graham. Cheers, Jay.